Cool, 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 cool. Um, so yeah, so we've got our intro, haven't we? What's our intro? I thought. Oh no, we don't have an intro, do we? No. Shall I do an intro quick? Um. Okay. You stop fidgeting me. again. I know. Just thinking. <laughs> um. Okay. Ready? Okay. Let's do this. Welcome to Mammon Podcast. Mike and Mike on Mike. A podcast where two Mikes talk about their top five favourite things. On our first podcast, we talked about our top favourite games of all time. And today we're talking about our top favourite films. Shall we talk about the fact that we've had to re-record this, Mike? <laughs> uh, yeah, we can do. Like, So uh, we recorded it the first time round and our audio was absolutely atrocious. So we've now gone out and brought professional mics. So we're hopefully coming to your ears a lot clearer. And it means that all our mistakes are much easier to point out. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, also, appreciate you not throwing me under the bus there and say it was my fault for my wireless headphones being <laughs> Yeah, it, it kind of was Mike's fault. Uh, but which Mike? Who will know? Well, people who know our voices now. Yeah. Um, before we start then, I thought let's talk a little bit about films because we are not gamers. Well, we are not a high standard of gamers and we don't game anywhere near as much as we used to in our youths if you know what i mean so i don't think there's going to be any top five we could ever even pretend to call ourselves experts on but this is going to be the closest to an amateur level of decent knowledge i think we'll have agreed i'm struggling here because i'm trying to stifle a sneeze go for it <laughs> i don't know when it's go i don't know when it's gonna come this 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 is exciting folks this is this is what you're tuning in for what type of sneeze? I'm a, I'm a constant three sneeze man. Oh, I, I tend to sneeze twice in a row and no more than that. But then I do have massive sneezing fits where I can go for like half an hour. <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll try not to. That that won't be great listening. <laughs> anyway, what was your question anyway? Well, I don't know. Like, is, have you, you know, why, how did you develop an interest in film? Like I say, I know everyone likes films, but like we've watched a lot, haven't we, in yeah. our in our past? Yeah, and we will say now, we don't necessarily, or we haven't necessarily watched ones that are technically critically acclaimed or anything like that. We're trying, though. We're doing that yeah. top 100 scratch-off poster. Yeah, at the moment, we're going through a top 100 films of all time based on someone who decided that these were the top 100 films of all time. Some poster guy. God yeah. Bless him. Nice little scratch-off poster, though. Well done to him who, who developed it. And I think it's been, we've we've done foreign cinema, we've done uh, some foreign films, we've done some Hitchcock, we've done some oldies, we've done some sort of more modern. Yeah, Stanley Kubrick we entered into, didn't we? Yeah, some cult classics. So yeah, but I don't think any of the films on our lists, mine particularly, do not really hit that. Maybe one hits that cult sort of legend status. Yeah, I've got none maybe one that's cool but other than but yeah. not in the way that potentially yours is i think cult was the wrong word to use there because i think a lot of mine are cult classics but yeah. i think sort of big critically acclaimed films i don't think a majority of mine hit that mark but yeah but yeah we i i remembered what your question was before my sneeze it was what <laughs> got me into um i didn't even sneeze and it's gone away now so that was a great conversation wasn't it hey. um Hey, never say never. <laughs> it might it might come later on. <laughs> just just you wait until you get to number two, and then it'll be there. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not really sure where my love of films came from. I remember I probably didn't watch loads until I got to uni, and then 
me and a um, bunch of friends used to go out on we well it used to be cinema Sunday, so we'd always go to the cinema and watch a film on Sunday, um, even if it was an absolutely awful film. And then I started I signed up to this online scheme which allows you to see previews of films before they've been released. So me and my friends started going to see quite a lot of them, and I've just thought of a film that was at, that I went to see on one of those, and that definitely actually should have been one of my top five. Hey, we've not started the top five yet. You could do it. I know. I, I don't know what to bump. Maybe I'll give it an honourable mention because it is too late to fit in there now. But it sort of got me intrigued into different types of films and there was different genres that I saw there. I remember first seeing um, Chadwick Bosman, for example, in uh, Get On Up, which was a film he did where he was um, James Brown. Probably never would have seen that film in real life. Well, I saw it in real life. But it sort of like if I'd stumbled across it, I wouldn't have thought to go see it. But then because it was free... I was like, oh, okay, let's give it a go. And actually, it was a really good film. So I think just seeing more and more and not letting any decisions guide me before I went to go see them just encouraged me to see bigger and better films. I like that. Yeah. You know what got you into films? No, not really, no. I was always a kind of TV right, show Right, okay, man. that's it then. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, I was always a TV show man. And then I remember... Uh, the only thing I can think is, I don't know if you remember Play.com, when that was sort of bigger than Amazon, when Amazon was really yeah. about books and in England anyway, and you could only, and like, it was always seemed cheap, but they never had the tax added on, so you got into your basket and went to check out, and you're like, oh wait, it's an extra X amount of pounds. And Play.com had a hundred best, or best selling, you know, DVDs. Yeah. And they were quite close to the top 250 on IMDb at the time, so I just used to buy the cheap deals or the second-hand copies from play.com of those sort of films that I'd sort of heard of but never got around to watching and yeah just like a bit like you I start to expand my film horizon pick films that I potentially wouldn't have watched if it wasn't high up on a top 100 list and then you, know, you click on it and read about it and you're like, oh that sounds interesting I'll give it a go yeah well, it sounds like we both got into films for similar reasons then yeah right should we get this all started just go for it like I said I think I started off the games i believe yes i think you did so shall i start this off yeah yeah you start top films right i'm gonna start this off with a question to you mike Ooh. okay who put the glad in gladiator russell crowe oh you just ruined this haven't you <laughs> <laughs> it would be hercules ah oh who put the glad in gladiator you're welcome hercules <laughs> Yeah, fantastic film. I was trying to think. So I'm trying to pick ones for my top five. I think some of them, there's no particular order they're necessarily in. These are just my favourite top five films. But number one is definitely my top five film of all time. But I try to pick ones that sort of I had fond memories of and as a child and things like that. And I was trying to think of a Disney film that I remember seeing when I was younger and really enjoying. Mm. First Disney film I saw at the cinema... Well, it's actually the first film I saw at a cinema, and I'm not this old, I promise you. But it was <laughs> Jungle Book. I think they must have had a replay in one of the cinemas, and I remember my dad taking me. I do remember us leaving halfway through, probably because I was quite a bit too young to sort of understand it. But a lot of my sort of Disney film love came from sort of seeing when I was younger. I remember seeing uh, 101 Dalmatians, and Hercules is one that really sticks in my mind. It's just been a great film. And kind of got me into mythology because I really enjoy my Greek myths. Not that Hercules is technically the name in Greek mythology. No, but I imagine a lot of people got that was the gateway into a more like 
to a broader interest into the Greek myths. Oh yeah, definitely. It's like it doesn't follow the stories one hundred percent or anything like that. But it's just a fun way of making you realise, like, because you do get to know all the gods and kind of their personalities and stuff like that. Except for um, Hades, because I don't know if you know this, they originally had Hades as quite a menacing character, much akin to all the other like Disney villains of the past, like um, Scar and Cruella Deville and things like that. Mm. But James Woods, who voiced the character, came in and they loved it so much that they just completely based the character of Hades on James Wood and they let him <laughs> ad-lib a lot of the script and things like that, which is quite a cool little thing to do, being so big that you can change the character of a Greek god. That makes sense, well, because I'm sure I've read somewhere in like an interview or trivia that he, James Wood said that's by far his favourite character and he'd do it for free if he was ever yeah. asked again. Well, he... um. Loves the character so much, he does actually voice like any like. So they did a Hercules cartoon. Well, Hercules was a cartoon anyway, but sort of like a Saturday morning TV show, and he voiced the character there. Any games that they've done since, he's voiced the character. Like he loves playing it. That's awesome. And like I said, I think I was listening to someone complain about Draco Malfoy in Harry Potter, saying that he's a bit too in the films anyway, a bit too um, Disney villain. They said, and it's. I see what they mean, like in terms of like that cliche. He's just evil. Although I disagree about that in the later films, but evil for the sake of being evil. Yeah, and there's just it's it, like I say, it's almost a character of, of a villain rather than an actual villain. Whereas to have this villain who was likable in some ways more likable than the hero at times, especially for a children's film, it's, it's such a brave decision, isn't it? Really? Yeah. No, I agree. But I think that's why it's one of those Disney films that you found a lot of people like you watched it when they were a kid, still love it now. Yeah. Whereas like, people will talk fondly about Bambi, but they won't necessarily re-watch it, or definitely not regularly. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's quite a depressing film as well, Bambi. Yeah. Like, Hercules is quite a fun, uplifting film. And I mean, who doesn't want to work out to Zero to Hero? Yeah, another classic. So, so strong. Well, all the Disney films, really. That's their magic, isn't it? But uh, Yeah, I particularly like um, Hercules. All their songs in there. Zero to Hero, Go the Distance, like... There's not many songs, but they're just great, and they you can remember them quite. They've got a very distinct style to them. Do you know what films are absolutely bang average, but I quite enjoyed it? Have you seen the Rocks version of Hercules? I've not actually, no. I really liked it. Whilst knowing it was terrible. Yeah. I have heard it wasn't a great film, but I imagine it's very rock-esque in terms of what it's like. If you like the, the Scorpion King that he did, that standalone Scorpion King film, not the... Oh, yeah cameo he had in the second mummy film. yeah even though he didn't really play the scorpion king it was just the cgi character of him yeah it's horrendous <laughs> it looked like a ps2 game it was awful um but yeah that was that was half decent i might, might have to check it out my number five now yeah let's go for your number five i remember today thinking about this one um i thought of another sort of story attached to it as well um number four linked number four number five even I say we haven't heard your first one yet. <laughs> number five, professionalism. We're the most professional podcast going. <laughs> My number five is a film linked because of potentially it was the first time that my dad listed, or the t- first time I gave my dad a top five ranking. I think that's something about that. I've always enjoyed ranking things and giving lists. And Gladiator was his favourite film when I asked him at the time. Uh, so when I watched it, I think I already had a sort of uh, bias towards enjoying it anyway. But I think what's not to like about it, it's, it's again, if you like mythology, you've got the, the Romans, which is always an interesting time period. It starts off with a big battle scene, and then you've got that 
uh, fall from grace of seeing that hero is at the at the top who then has to sort of rebuild from the bottom goes from zero to hero again from zero to hero we have a theme can you imagine if they're all this yeah um, is, that, is, is this why you wanted you were hoping that the answer to my who put the glad in gladiator was in fact Russell Crowe well so you said it I was like oh shit I'm just picking another choice <laughs> <laughs> that's why I probably sounded depressed <laughs> but you just completely forgot about the lyrics of Hercules yeah anyway <laughs> and talking of forgetting things um, I've mentioned this to you before I know but um, when I went to university I did a degree in English and creative writing as you know and for some reason and I still have no idea why you're allowed to pick up an extra course or extra module. I don't know if extra credits, I'm not sure. Uh, I didn't know what to do, so I just picked film studies because I liked films. Yeah. And on my first seminar, the the lecturer was asking everyone what degree specifically, so like what type of media degree were you doing, whatever. And I was the only one who wasn't there to do media and film. Uh, so he hated me straight away, like, why are you <laughs> here? I remember looking back at him like, I don't know. Um, and he did like a fun little game. He's like, what's your favourite films? So he was going around and I was one of the last and people were picking, you know, like pretty decent choices in terms of like, you know, things that are popular or critically acclaimed, uh, yeah. or, you know, considered widely good. Like someone say like the Godfather, like, <laughs> of course you'd say that. Uh, so knowing that I was going to say Gladiator, I was absolutely <laughs> bricking it. And he looked at me like I was an absolute piece of shit and went, why? Panicked a bit. I was like, oh, you know, there's loads of good quotes. He's like, name me one quote right now. And I froze. <laughs> and that's absolutely awful that you froze because it's such a quotable film. In fact, it's got to be like his, my name is, um, I've gone and forgotten his name now. God, that's absolutely <laughs> awful, isn't it? <laughs> I, should we restart this whole thing? Let's start the podcast nah, all no, over. That <laughs> yeah, it's like one of the top quotes of all time, though. I know, I know. I, I just panicked. Like... And do you know what? At the time, I wouldn't even now. I wouldn't put it as my top one, but I just couldn't think. You know, there was no pre-warning on the first seminar. They're going to ask you this, but I guess you'd assume people going in would know something like that, which is probably why I didn't pick it as a degree. So um, on the course, it was twelve weeks long, and there were twelve films that you were supposed to watch that were all supposed to be critically acclaimed for different reasons. Um, uh, I only ended up going to two, and none of the films are on my list. So. I, don't, I think that says more about me than them. <laughs> and um, the first one I went to, which is probably why I didn't go to many afterwards, I was absolutely hanging. And I sat down. And I, I think I was still a little bit drunk as well. You know when you're like half drunk, half hungover? And you're like, you yeah. feel like, I don't know, the world's not real. I'd come in and it's like the film had already started. And there was this man who, who I assume was, was a burn victim. He was just covered head to toe in bandages. He could barely move. And he kept having these... Uh, these flashbacks or dreams to him being a detective and it was this really strange film i think it was michael gambon called the singing detective and I'd, oh yeah i accidentally turned up to a second year tv or something <laughs> i turned up two hours so it wasn't early. actually your course no. so i sat through watched that film which was so surreal it felt like i was gonna vomit by the end and then my film started up which was die hard which is a great film and i was like no i haven't got it in me i need to go <laughs> <laughs> oh you Missed out on watching a great film. Though. That's it. But yeah, great film. I think, again, I, I appreciate that it's not really a top five film in terms of, you know, like I say, critically or anything like that. I think a lot of people enjoy it, though. Exactly. And do you know what? I think it's got to be something said about that. There's some films that you know whilst watching are brilliant, but they're so tough to watch. Yeah. Even whilst you're going, oh, I can appreciate how amazing this is. You're also going, right, should I just check something on Twitter quickly? Like, you can't keep your patience. Well, like this, so this is absolutely awful. 
but we recently watched The Pianist. <laughs> and it's absolutely fantastic. The story is absolutely amazing. But I think because it goes on for so long, and it is quite a hard watch because it's all factual and like all about the Holocaust and stuff like that. And it's but because of that, it's just it's difficult to sort of watch the whole thing all the way through because it's quite a tough watch. Does that make sense? Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> no, it does. But like you also you know what's coming because yeah. it's real. So you know, like he'll have like a moment in the film where things start to look up, and you're like, <laughs> oh, it's gonna get a lot worse. Like you know, you're gonna be like, yeah, exactly. You, you look you look at your watch knowing that there's still two hours left. Yeah, it's a good choice though. But I will say something that might shun quite a lot of our viewers and make them stop listening i'm not 100 percent sure i've watched it you're a terrible human being I, it's one of those films because so many people know about it and like i could tell you the plot front to back but because of that i think i've watched it but i don't think i ever actually have I, i've said this to you before i'm the exact same with et i've yeah. seen when e4 used to those top 100 animated films top 100 children's films i've seen so many clips and so many people have spoken about it. I, I, say with you, I think I could tell you the whole plot, but I've never actually seen the film. Yeah, I can get that. Should we do a movie night and, and swap Gladiator and E.T.? Uh, E.T.? E.T.? E.T. <laughs> E.T. Yeah, sounds good. Right, you're number four. Right. If I was to say to you, what is the number one basketball film of all time? Coach Carter, without a doubt. Wrong. It is, in fact, Space Jam. Shout. <laughs> it's one of those films I remember me and my mate Cole used to watch all the time when we was growing up and I think I've watched it recently and it definitely it doesn't hold up I was about to say it definitely holds up it doesn't hold up but it's still just an enjoyable film it's just really fun it's got is it Danny DeVito playing one of the um Mar- like one of the um big bad aliens and obviously Michael Jordan um it's got Bill Murray in it Wayne, Wayne Knight. It's just a fantastic, fun kids' film. Do, do you know what I think is crazy about it? You and I have watched The Last Dance, haven't you? Yeah. And obviously, when I first watched Space Jam, I didn't know anything about American sports or uh, basketball. I'd heard of Michael Jordan, that's as far as it went. But normally, you know, when a big sport like celebrity goes into a film, particularly an athlete, they're normally, they're normally at the very end of their career, they finish. Like, you know, yeah. like Beckham started appearing in films towards the end of his career. He was at the prime of his career. He yeah. went on to do another 3 P after that, and he was training every night whilst filming. Like, that is wild. Well, they, they built, like, a big, st- a big um, like, uh, court for him to practice in, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. For um, Space Jam. It is just, yeah, surprising that he did that at the peak of his career, really. Or, if not coming to the peak of his career, it yeah. might not have been quite there yet. But it definitely got him... A bigger, bigger name. Like most UK audience, like we we're not big into basketball or anything like that. Most people in the UK don't follow basketball, but everyone knew who Michael Jordan was, and everyone would like talk about it in the playground and everything. And I think a big part of that has to do with Space Jam. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Particularly for our generation, perhaps as well as again people who aren't or weren't basketball fans, you know, in our younger years. Yeah. No, I absolutely love the film i still enjoy it soundtrack is absolutely fantastic quad city djs i remember being in a club recently well i say recently eight years ago i was about to say in in exeter and um quad city uh quad city dj space jam came up came on and i just got straight onto that floor singing along dancing to it absolutely love it i believe i can fly as well that was such a nice moment yeah no that it's got um barry white doing a duet with chris um, rock for some reason 
it's just got a killer cast and a killer soundtrack and it's just a great film enjoyable that's the one that you've talked taught myself into agreeing that it deserves to be a top five at first i was like what a waste but actually that's a really good show <laughs> yeah <laughs> and they've they've got a, a sequel coming out soon um it's called space jam 2 the next jam or something like that but it's gonna have lebron james in it directed by ryan cogler who directed black panther oh nice so actually quite a big director there so i'm really intrigued what direction they're going to go they're just battling the first one aren't they like with any of these types of things you almost go in wanting to hate it because you're like it will never be as good as the original well a film that i remember very distinctly being like that and i was so so angry when they made a sequel to it was jumanji yeah but what i think what i did they what they did brilliant in my opinion is because i liked the new jumanji it other than, other than the name, it's pretty much not the same. You have to mean there's nothing yeah. linking it. They've really. got the aspect there, but it is a different film. And it would have, in my eyes, probably been better if they didn't call it Jumanji, but I don't think it would have got as many people seeing exactly. it if they didn't call it Jumanji. That's it. It's about money, isn't it, at the end of the day? But that, that was a film that I went into just really wanting to hate because it was going to dick on the legacy of the original, but actually surprisingly good. No, I like that one. So that's my number four. My number four has sort of two reasons for it. Again, like a lot of these, I appreciate it's not the best film. I can appreciate this might be going, what? But I'm going to give you two reasons why I like it before I name it. Okay. One, if I was only ever allowed to watch one film ever, so I'd have to keep enjoying it on repeat viewing, this would be it. Oh, yeah, you've told me this before. It's um, that Barbie film, isn't that's it? That's the one. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also have a weird obsession not just in films, but like on YouTube videos as well, of like homesteading, like people, or base building, I don't know what you'd call it, where people uh, sort of have to survive in the wilderness and create their own like shelters and then try to make yeah. it better and better as they go on. Wasn't that like bushcraft? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And this is bushcraft in space. So my number four is The Martian. Oh, fantastic film. Yep. Coincidentally, looking at the book right in front of me right now. I've got it as well. I've never read it though. Oh, it's a good. It's different because it's all sort. Well, it's half and half. His narration, sort of logging onto the computer and telling the computer, and then down on Earth. Anyway, I'll let you talk about the film. <laughs> so yeah, if, if, for anyone that doesn't know about it, it's set on Mars. There are a group of scientists, including Matt Damon's character, who's a botanist. Um, and essentially get stranded. They try to leave because of an impending storm that's going to potentially leave them stranded forever. And he gets knocked out and wakes up and they've gone. They thought he was dead, so they've left him. And he's got to survive on Mars with the sort of base that they left behind. And it's, uh, like I say, you know, it's a big element is, I guess, like the, the book you've said there as well is, going back to earth and seeing if people come up with plans to try and see if they can save him uh, but the bit i enjoyed just seeing like the the way that he tried to survive the way he tries to grow potatoes the way he tries to uh, take certain machines in and repurpose them to help him um, travel around the planet more and things like that yeah um, it's really clever how he thinks of what to do and like all within as far as I'm concerned, the realms of reality as well it's not like pushing the boundaries there too much yeah for a sci-fi film Although it probably, you know, I imagine if we've got scientists on here, they'd say he couldn't do half the stuff he did, but it yeah. felt like he could. There was nothing yeah. where, you know, it was like that MacGyver thing where he's got like a toothpick, uh, toilet roll, and he makes a tank. And it's like, <laughs> like everything felt like he could have done yeah. it. No, I think 
this is a good shout and again a film that I remember being in the cinema watching it and you knew he was obviously going to get off Mars somehow but it was so tense watching it in mm. the final like at least 20 minutes I was so desperate for the toilet but I knew I couldn't leave it was just so tense and I just wanted to find out the whole end of it I knew any minute that I missed was going to just ruin the film <laughs> and I, I, I risk wet, wetting myself in that Odeon but it was worth it. <laughs> uh, the other as well with this, this was between those two Matt Damon choices between this and Goodwill Hunting, yeah. which is another yeah. great, great film. But um, like I say, for longevity and for like a, a weird genre of bushcraft homesteading, uh, I thought it had to make the cut. Yeah, I think that's legitimately a good choice. I'm quite jealous of that choice. <laughs> I feel like every, like I said this in the first one, it's not a competition. But I'm winning. Okay. <laughs> like, Space Jam beats anything anyway, so <laughs> we know that's not true. Okay, my number three is... I felt like... So, I'm quite a big Marvel fan, as you know. Mm-hmm. My viewers might not necessarily yet, but I'm quite a big Marvel fan. I enjoy all the films they put out. Looking forward to all the TV shows that they're about to put out. It's, they're just a good genre and I really loved the idea that they just started with Iron Man, which at the time was a completely unknown comic book hero, really. He was genuinely quite minor league. And they just built him up and they built this absolutely fantastic sort of universe where they interlinked all the characters and it surprisingly works. So I felt like I had to pick a film from the Marvel Universe to be on my top five because I just absolutely loved the franchise. And it was quite difficult trying to decide which one I wanted to go for. In the end, I decided the one that introduced to me quite two brand new characters. Well, they're not brand new characters. Every, most people would have heard of them. But in terms of to this cinematic universe, they introduced these two new characters. And it sort of felt like the beginning of what eventually led us to Endgame. And that's Captain America Civil War. And which two characters are we referring to here? So the two characters were in, that were introduced were Black Panther. Yeah, amazing. And Spider-Man, Tom Holland's version. Yeah, amazing. Um, two fantastic people. Obviously, Chadwick Bosman, I mentioned him earlier, won't be replaced as Black Panther. He did such a fantastic job, and it's absolutely awful about what happened to him. But it's a godsend to him that he made, managed to bring this character to life so brilliantly from the beginning, despite what was going on with him. I, th- I think as well, it shows his like, talent as an actor. Like If you play... If you are a superhero that's you know well known, you've already got support for your standalone film to work. Do you know what I mean? People yeah. know Captain America and want it to work. They they you know although Iron Man wasn't as popular before, obviously Robert Downey Jr. You know it was still you'd heard of it, you knew about it, you'd seen it in in cartoons and comics a lot. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I'd not really heard anything. I don't think about Black Panther going into it. I had like I don't I just. There was nothing. Yeah, you know, I, I was just a completely blank slate. I was ready to go in, hate it, love it, and or met it. And yeah, I think you're totally right in that. So he did such an amazing job, especially bearing in mind his character wasn't as well known. Yeah, no, I agree. And then this ended up like being the film that sort of separated all the superheroes into this big civil war. So it was a massive fight against themselves, really. It was all sort of mind-headed by um, uh, Zemo. But the whole thing, I just really enjoyed just coming together. And then it seemed to be the beginning of what eventually led us to Endgame, that part that I discussed earlier. It was just fantastic. The airport scene where they're all fighting together was absolutely brilliant. As well, I I felt like maybe 
Winter Soldier perhaps started, let's say. But it was the first time that it took a dark turn. Like I seem to remember there was a torture scene or we found someone who was being tortured. Is that right? I'm not... You... I can't think of any torture scene. Maybe I'll just watch some weird <laughs> spin-off of <them. laughs> I might, I might be misremembering or well, forgetting about a certain either part. Either way, it, it, it felt darker, didn't it? It felt grittier. It felt more adult. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say this now, because I don't think we've spoiled any films, but obviously it goes without saying that we might spoil some of the films that we talk about. Um, most of the films are at least so Captain America was 2016 so they're at least four years old at the minimum for my list so hopefully it's not massive spoilers but obviously we find out that uh, Bucky Barnes killed Tony Stark's parents which is quite a dark route to then take the idea of that someone who is a hero killing one of the other heroes um, parents obviously at when we sort of meet him he's a semi-villain he's sort of just been converted after winter winter soldier but it's still yeah quite dark and that big a big twist to the iron man saga uh, yeah i think i think as well just as a i think it's gonna be one of the things that the longer it goes on the more hate it's going to get you know what i mean i think it's going to start to become just populist hate on it um, oh, what marvel films in general you mean yeah just because it's so popular now yeah you know, so as soon as it gets to that level of popular people just automatically hate it yeah i understand why people might want to hate on it but i just love it it's just fun enjoyable cinema you've got to respect it from the film that nothing has come close to the sort of of what that wanted to do like i know you can talk about like how many star wars films there's been and things like that and indie films like but i'm i'm talking about the idea of this interconnected universe where characters come in and out of it yeah uh, and they've taken so many brave decisions with films to pick like ant-man i remember when they meant i was like a superhero called ant-man one i've heard of him two he sounds shit three i love paul rudd but there's no way he'll work in this universe and then you watch it and you're like Oh, well, it was brilliant. <laughs> well, for me, because I had heard of Ant-Man, but Guardians of the Galaxy was the one that did that for me. Yeah, another yeah, great example again. Absolutely. Like, when that was first announced, everyone was like, really, a film with a talking raccoon and a tree that literally says, yeah. I am Groot? How is this going to be any good? And it turned out to be one of the best films that Marvel's made so far. I love that um, quote. One of the Marvel execs apparently were like, why the fuck are we paying Bradley Cooper this money? And he doesn't sound like Bradley yeah. Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been literally just paying someone to put on a Boston accent. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, great choice. And I think in the future, it's probably a top five we could do on its own, to be honest. The, Marvel, the films. Marvel films. Yeah. yeah. My number three. Uh, again, a bit like my last pick. A genre of films I enjoy watching is coming-of-age stories. And there was loads that i went through and decided between it was the film mud was really close but i ended up going with this one because as well although it has a darkness to it a bit like mud i think it's also got a um enough of a feel-good factor as well for it to be rewatchable uh, and easy watching just about and that's perks of being a wallflower oh yeah um interestingly the the author who wrote the book was actually allowed to write the screenplay as well as direct the film version, which, again, is one of the reasons I think it works so well. Often, you know, book book to film can be hit or miss, but I think actually yeah. having the, the creator do the work on it is probably why it was so good. Without giving too much... Well, I won't spoil anything for it, really, other than it's... I've not actually seen this film, I'd like to say. It's a sort of high... 
it's a high school drama in in that sense that's the setting but it couldn't be further from a typical high school film uh, in my opinion anyway it's this this loner or as we've known from the film like a wallflower someone who in a in a room will sit around the edge and and listen and observe rather than taking part um okay and it's about him finding some new friends another group of misfits really uh, and finding his place. And I think, again, there's something really sweet about that. The fact that it's not a typical story where they, you know, they often, they want to join a, in a high school film. They want to become popular. They want to join the popular crowd. And, and that's never what he strives for. Uh, and there's this great quote where Emma Watson's character uh, says, welcome to the island of misfit toys. Like this this idea that they're all a bit weird. They're all a bit unusual. So now he's part of it. So rather than being excluded for being a bit strange, a bit odd, he's, he's found his people. It, in my opinion, Emma Watson's best role since Hermione Granger. She's fantastic, and yeah, there's just there's so much heart to it. And, and there's this. I think it. I think it goes beyond just a Queen of Age film. I think it's got some really like nice moments. Some moments where you you stop and just sort of take in what was said. Uh, and there's a great moment where Logan Lerman's character asks his teacher, "Why do people fall in love with someone that's wrong for them, that's bad for them?" And Paula's character just takes a pause and says, "We accept the love we think we deserve." I just think that's so great. That's like so yeah. powerful. So yeah, so I didn't realize Paul Rudd was in it. Yeah, um, a minor role as a as a teacher, but he he's really good. He's it's one of the few times he doesn't feel too Paul Rudd, if that makes okay, sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you he, know, Paul Rudd does play a lot of the same sort of characters. Yeah, he's almost, he's almost that, a bit of a slacker type character, isn't it? Yeah, he's the American Hugh Grant, isn't he? Where it just feels like he's playing himself. But you know, yeah, I love. I love him, so I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Happily see him play anyway. Probably one of my favourite actors. Yeah, he's not done many bad films, I don't think, has he? No. So yeah, like I say, they're a great coming-of-age film, a great film generally, and uh, it's got some sort of twists and turns in there as well that take it beyond your typical coming-of-age high school drama. Okay. Well, I like I said, I never watched it. I knew about it. Yeah. Like It's Ezra Miller as well, isn't it? Yeah, he's great in it as well. Like, probably steals the show to be honest okay but yeah i don't want to talk too much about his character because again i, I don't want to spoil anything but yeah he's fantastic in it as well maybe i'll have to give it a watch definitely um steven chobsky i want to say was the writer uh, and director okay and he obviously wrote the original novel as well so yeah great film yeah good shout then uh, number four by which i mean number I've, ju- I've just looked two. at my list and i've numbered my list five four Three, four, five. That's why I thought this was my number four. This is my thing. I've done one, two, three, four, five. Then just wrote five films down, and then went back and ordered. Them. <laughs> so apparently, we're not very good at numbers. No. Right. So my number two pick is. I surprised myself with this one. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was going to pick this in the slightest, and then I came across it on Netflix the other day mm. and watched it, and I was like, I've probably only seen this film two or three times. But I forgot how good a film it was, and it didn't get the acclaim that it so rightly deserved when it came out at cinema. I think it did get acclaim from the critics, but the public didn't go see it, because unfortunately, Sylvester Stallone ruined the previous version of this film. And this is Dread 3D. No way has that made your top five. Do you not like it? Is it on with Carl Urban? Yeah. I mean, it was good, but I... Oh, I, I, I mean, forgot how good it what? was, though. Convince me. Convince me. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> there's not much to the plot. Don't get me wrong. It's literally based in Mega City 1, and they have to make their way up a big tower block to bust uh, Lena Headley's character of Marmar 
for this uh, drug cartel that she's running. She's, um, she's made this drug called Slow Mo. And I think what it was for me that made this was a fantastic film. So back when it came out, sort of 3D films were sort of coming to an end. Like Avatar had obviously popularized them and a lot of films were going for the glory with this. Mm-hmm. And it's the first one I saw, and I'd seen Avatar at the cinema, where it actually made the 3D worthwhile and it was actually really quite good. So whenever the slow-mo came in, the 3D effects were absolutely mind-blowing. And there's some scenes where um, they throw some characters off of the top of this uh, 250-story tower and it's going down in slow motion because slow mode slows down everything in your mind to like one percent or something like that yeah so they go so literally falling to their death and seeing the death coming to them but the way this 3d is done and this death coming towards you in slow motion it's not done for gore necessarily or anything like that it's just really quite artistic the way they did it yeah, i remember the whole shocking. film being quite stylized to be fair yeah for an action film of this sort of genre and caliber it was very artistic and stylized and i really loved that carl urban did so much with his character with just the mouth he showed so much expression behind the character it was just fantastic to watch him and he was brilliant acting it and one of his top roles i think do we ever see him with his mask off in the film no which is what the big thing is because in i don't know much about the 20,080s um comics it's based on but i know that in those comics he doesn't take off his mask at all whereas in the original judge dreads with sylvester stallone the mask comes off a lot and a lot of people hated upon it for that. But this film, people didn't go to see it because they com- were comparing it to the train wreck of the 80s version or 90s version whenever it came out. But I just re- there's just something about it. It was just a fun action film. A lot of brilliant set pieces for the action. And it was just well done. Well, can I ask you a question then? Would it, would, is it on your top five for the non-3D version? Or the 3D version where you're not in the cinema with the glasses? Yeah, so when I watched it the other day... It was still up there. I still really enjoyed the whole thing. Okay, awesome. Well, I tell you what, then I might rewatch it now. You, there you go. You have convinced me a little bit <laughs> to give it another try. I did say I surprised myself putting this on the list. I wasn't expecting this to be here in the slightest, and it ended up on it. So you're lucky. It was between this or the Muppets. <laughs> Thank God it was. The <laughs> <laughs> right. Going to go with your number two category or pick? Yeah, number two. It is well, Perks and The Martian were both films originally uh sorry books even <laughs> start that again perks and the martian were both originally books and so is my number two choice can you tell he's an english teacher <laughs> and i think it's one of the few times perks is as good i think rather than better but this is one of the few times i felt like the film was a lot better than the book which people are going to hate me for if they love the book and it's the only book, uh, film even, on hit this list that's quite high up on IMDb. Although it's, of the trilogy, it's the lowest rated. And that is Lord of the Rings, Two Towers. Two Towers? I specifically picked the second one. Yep. Um, because the first one, I think the first one in some ways is the best on a first watch. Yeah. Because it's like, the, two and three are essentially just giant battles. And you needed to have fall in love with the characters and the world in the first one really to care but i find it difficult to rewatch. yeah the first one's a bit slow going as well yeah where especially extended version yes. whereas two towers you know you've got the the rohan part before and then you've got 
which helps you, I think, care even more about the battle. And you've got the suspense of, you know, will Gandalf get there in time? He's just a dick about it. No, like, sorry, mate. Just, oh, he arrives when he's exactly where he's supposed to. And it's like, say that to the thousands of people that died just to get there an hour early. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, and as well, as much as I loved Return of the King and the Battle of Gondor, I, I used to get really annoyed with the cutaways to Sam and Frodo. I was like, I get it. They're climbing. They're getting there. Yeah. Whereas, uh, yeah, Two Towers focused more on the actual battle whilst we're there. Ironically, that the Helm's Deep battle apparently is nowhere near uh, as long. I feel like it's a chapter long, or maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it's, it's it's not that long in comparison to how much or what percentage the Helm's Deep battle takes up in the film. Okay. I can't. It's been a long time since I've read Lord of the Rings, so I couldn't tell you that. But they, but he does that a lot, doesn't he? Because I know, for example, the Hobbit. I I remember reading the Hobbit and everything. Mm. And the battle at the end of The Hobbit is a whole film, but you don't actually see that battle at all in the actual books. No. Because it gets knocked on the head and is unconscious for the whole battle. I think it's, I just, I think Lord of the Rings deserves its spot on there for how iconic it is. I love fantasy, so it made sense to put fantasy film on. Yeah, and I know we're not basing it on the books, we're technically basing it on the film, but we've got to give credit to J.R.R. Tolkien for the universe he's created here. Yeah, in terms of that, you know, lore, it's absolutely ridiculous ridiculous how much there is outside of just these films and just these three books themselves yeah. and yeah i i love like for instance uh virgo is it virgo mortson or who plays aragorn vertigo mortison yeah i've never pronounced his name he uh was like a method actor and the commitment that he did on all three films the stories you hear about how like when they first introduced him to his horse he just went yeah. off and spent the night out in the wild with it to get like close to it and got arrested at a pub in New Zealand because he refused to take his sword off. He's like, well, Aragorn would never leave his sword behind. Well, didn't he like buy the horse afterwards and everything as well? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think, but I think he gave it to the trainer. Oh, okay. The horse trainer is like a gift because of the bond that she had with it as well as him. That's fair. And then, uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, and and one of the few films that has that many effects that still hold up. I think. Yeah. Like I said, I think. Two Towers holds up more than any of the Hobbit films do already. Well, I think it's because they use a lot more practical effects, didn't they? Yeah. Instead of trying to go for this... Because I remember with The Hobbit, Ian McKellen walked off set at one point crying, genuinely true, because of the amount of CGI. And he was, was like, I didn't become an actor to act in front of a green screen. Wow. Whereas in Lord of the Rings, like even to make everyone look smaller, they use child actors and a lot more sort of forced perspective and stuff like that to make it actually seem as though he was bigger compared to the Hobbits and stuff like that. So, yeah, I know he got physically angry about... Well, he was a huge, huge Lord of the Rings fan as well. Oh, was he? he? I didn't know that. Doesn't surprise me. Wait, is that Gandalf? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm all about Christopher Lee. Oh, okay. The rock star. <laughs> he was a bit of everything, wasn't he? Yeah, it was brilliant. Right, good choice. Before we do our first choice of the top five, let's do our honourable mentions. I wasn't sure what to do with my honourable mentions, and I feel like I've got quite a lot in my head, but I didn't write anything down. That, that's either confidence or stupidity. It's stupidity, because I'm not <laughs> sure I can remember a huge amount of them now. Do you want me to go first? We yeah, you go first, and I'll, and I'll try and remember some of mine. I had, similar to you, I had 10, 20, 30 honourable mentions over the last week that's been coming out. You know, trying to think of, like I said, I'm going to try and stick to one honourable mention each time. Yeah, And because of the picks I'd already locked in, I wanted something a little bit different to sort of offer. Okay. And we watched this film together. It's one of our scratch-off poster lists. It's very, very well 
regarded critically and it's in the top 250 i still i believe it still is on imdb it is a korean film oh yeah and it is old boy yeah um and i think i think there's something about watching a film that has subtitles a, a foreign language film because i know some people get put off by them but actually it draws you into the story even more because you're so focused you can't go on your phone and start looking at the scores or twitter or whatever or playing a game on there you have to be completely focused locked into the film and it's this sort of mystery a man gets kidnapped when he's drunk on a night out wakes up in this almost like motel room in korea uh, no idea why and he's locked in there for 20 years something like that 15 yeah. 20 years can say without spoiling anything yeah that sounds about right and uh, he's released and essentially he has to find or is you know wants revenge wants to find out who did it to them and, and why and as the film unfolds you start to learn more and more about his history about what he was like as a youth and then you start to realize, oh maybe it's, it's something that happened in his youth that, that led to him being kidnapped uh, and alongside that, you've also got this story of him trying to find out. It's got one of the best fight scenes in cinema, in my opinion. A long one-shot take of him fighting with nothing but a hammer down this sort of hallway against, what, 30, 40, 50 guys? And it seemed to inspire a lot of hallway take scenes. Yeah, like that daredevil. Yeah, um, and recently, if no one's watched it, Cobra Kai, in its second season, did a brilliant one, and in its latest seasons done an absolutely fantastic one but old boy was the original yeah and yeah so i went into this film having no idea what it was about so you'd watched it before i'd watched it and you said it was a bit deeply disturbing and without spoiling it oh yeah spoiler yeah well warning signs yes it is the most messed up film i've ever seen we did say that there's going to be spoilers but we won't spoil this one too much but i don't think i could ever watch this film again because it is so deeply disturbing i've told people at my work about it and some of them have said that they might watch it. And hopefully, if they're listening right now, they will go away and watch it. Because this is proof that it is a great film. But do you know what? And that film could only have been made outside of America yeah. and Britain. Yeah. Because America... Well, America, the whole country. Uh, there's an American remake of it. And it was quite faithful up until the ending where they... Chickened out. Shit it. Yeah, exactly. And the ending... When you watch it, when you first get to the, the the ending, you'll think, oh, that's what's so shocking. And obviously it is. But it's the final scene and the sort of implication of a character's decision. That was, for me, the most yeah. shocking. And But I think as much as, obviously, it disturbed me, I also really appreciate it on a, on a writing level that they were willing to take that risk if that makes sense, yeah. that they were willing to, to do that and go, no, that's our writer's vision and we, we're committing to it. Like, You have to applaud that, that bravery of filmmaking. Yeah, no, I'd agree. It was a fantastic film, but I just don't think I can watch it again. <laughs> no. Surprised you managed the second viewing of it. But I think it's like, I don't know, I always had like a sit, like, I, I wanted to see your reaction to it. Like When I watched it, I watched it with two mates at uni and we had no idea what it was going in. So we literally, it was like 3am as well. And we were like, what the fuck is this? Um, and I, I wanted, wanted to see your reaction to that. And it was on our poster, so I had to. Yeah, exactly. You had no choice. You had to watch it. Right. So I've got two that I've managed to narrow it down to. Mm -hmm. We did mention that we've re-recorded this one. Two of my previous choices, I will say, them, are The Room with Tommy Wiseau, which is an absolutely awful film, but well worth a watch because 
it just doesn't know how bad it is, whereas bad films know how bad they are. The Room was a film so bad that it spawned a Hollywood movie yeah. about how bad it was. With James Franco, Seth Rogen, uh, Dave Franco. What was it called, the... The... It was cool. It's really going to bug me now. Disaster Artist? Yes, which is what the book... So it's based on the book written by um, one of the lead character's best friends. And it's behind the scenes of the whole film and everything. And yeah, it's born this film with, like I say, quite big names. But it's just an awful film. So if no one's seen it, though, I really recommend it. It's a great drinking game film with friends and everyone to get around. But it just doesn't realise it's bad. So I thought I'd just mention that. It's not one of... It's not technically an honourable mention, but it deserves a mention right now. I've got two choices, though, for my honourable mentions. First one, I didn't realise how sad this film was going in. And I don't think a lot of people did it either. It's directed by um, Clint Eastwood, and he stars in it as well. And it's Million Dollar Baby. Have you ever watched it? No, I've wanted to so much. I love boxing. So I'm not going to say too much about it, then, in which case. And I apologise for those who are listening that haven't watched it themselves. But it's just a film. I, w- I went into it not expecting too much and came out of it with a broken heart. It was absolutely devastating in a way. Well, I'm not watching that. But it just didn't get advertised at that. It was just... It was a fanta- it's a fantastic <laughs> film, though. Really is. Absolutely brilliant. Brilliant acting. It's Hilary Swank who plays the boxer who gets into boxing and is trained by Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman. It's just, it is a brilliant film and I highly recommend anyone who hasn't seen it to seek it out, including you, Mike. Thank God we got Morgan Freeman. Can you imagine if we did a top five films list? I know. And we didn't mention Morgan Freeman. We, man- we managed to somehow include a few top name actors, like uh, we semi mentioned Harrison Ford, with you mentioned The Fugitive, even if we haven't, a lot of our films haven't got a like absolutely blockbuster names in them but what i hope with this it anyway if it, it like by us not picking the most popular the hopefully people listening to this there's going to be some ones they've never watched before and they can although they're all i guess they're most of them are pretty popular but still this next one i can guarantee there's probably going to be quite a lot of viewers who haven't watched it haven't heard of it but have definitely heard of the director now and it's What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, yeah. It's written and directed by Taikai Watiki of For Ragnarok fame and Jojo Rabbit. And it's just an absolutely... So this is the one that I mentioned earlier. I saw it in the cinema and me and my friend absolutely loved it. It was one of the... I don't didn't know a single thing about it going into it. It's a mockumentary crew in New Zealand who film a bunch of vampires. That's the plot. There's not much more to it than that. But it's so quotable and it's so brilliant. It's got Jermaine Clement from uh, Flight of the Concords in it as well. And it's just really funny seeing these vampires do almost mundane tasks. It's just really stupid jokes. Like someone's on eBay and um, someone goes um, up to him and is like, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm doing my dark bidding online. It's just like really stupid but funny genius jokes. That I think what I love about his humour though is it's, it's like, it's stupid humour. But it's fully committed, oh, stupid yeah. humor. Like he stays in character the whole time. You know, Will Ferrell, you can tell half the time isn't in character almost. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, and there's a lot of like comedy actors like that. Whereas he stays locked in to that odd, stupid character, whatever it is he's doing all the time. Yeah. I love that. No, I highly recommend what we do in the shadows. And if you haven't seen another one of his films, Hunt for the Wilder People. Both absolutely brilliant films. Yeah, I'm desperate to watch that. Yeah, it's another genius film. Um, 
again, I really struggle with names at the moment, but I can't. It's uh, Samo Sam Neil. Sam Neil is in it, and the um, slightly large kid from Deadpool. That is his official name on IMDb as well. Slightly large kid from Deadpool. Right, should we go on to our number one pick? Let's do it. I'm excited for your number one. I feel like it's built. It's built to this moment. I feel like you've thrown in some wild cards because you, you were confident. Number one was a number one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm confident. When I said... Well, I said cult classics, didn't I? Because of Dread 3D and Space Jam. I feel like those two have got cult status these days. Um, but this one, I think a lot of people would agree, is one of the top comedies ever. And I'm quite confident in saying that. Um, it's Back to the Future. Classic. Back to the Future with Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd. One of my all-time favourite films. Uh, there's possibly... It might be sort of... Um, uh, what's that syndrome? Where you're sort of locked in with someone all the time. Um, Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome, yeah. yes. This might be a case of Stockholm Syndrome. Because when I was on my placement year in Exeter, I didn't have very good internet. It was absolutely shocking. Didn't have TV signal. So my only entertainment was... Were you in a Serbian gulag? What the <laughs> hell was going on? It was awful accommodation. I remember when I first... <laughs> I apologise to... I'll, I'll change his name because I was about to say his name, but I won't say his name. But when I first walked into this accommodation, there was probably it was about a 50-year-old man and he was in there because um, it was like sort of accommodation for the people who worked in the hospital. And I was like, oh, you're, hi there, I'm Michael. And it's like, oh, hi, I'm David. Um, I've just recently got divorced from my wife. And that was his introduction to me. <laughs> like, God, dude, that's a, I don't know where to go from here. I really didn't. And then I locked myself out of my room. Anyway. <laughs> did you have to go spend time with David? <laughs> I, did. I did. Yeah, it, it was quite annoying because I didn't have my shoes on and I had to go down to the accommodation office to get a new key but anyway that's not what this story is about um so back to the future was my only dvd well i had it on blu-ray all three of them and it was the only one i had with me when i was in this accommodation you had a blu-ray player at uni oh yeah well i think it was my and you said you're not part i think it was my ps3 all right <laughs> yeah but yeah so i had those three on dvd and i pretty much watched them continuously at least once a week for a year it was so it might be a case of Stockholm Syndrome, why it's my favourite film, but I still love it. And the fact I was able to watch them every day instead of being like, you know what, I don't need to watch this. I've watched it once. Like, just because it's my only DVD, maybe I'll go out and buy another one. What, what's your thoughts on the third one? Like, there's a lot of criticism, isn't there, about that Western style? Yeah, see, I really enjoyed it still. I don't still think there was any issue with it. They built up to it. They'd obviously filmed it back to back with the second one because they obviously put a trailer for the third one at the end of the second one. So they thought they, it's not as though it was shoehorned in there. They'd clearly thought about the trilogy almost from the start. Yeah. And it was just, they're just a fantastic film. And it is a shame now that obviously Michael J. Fox has got Parkinson's and has retired from acting because he was back in the eighties and nineties, a powerhouse of acting. Have you seen the episode of Scrubs with him in when he incorporates that yeah. storyline? And that's heartbreaking. Yeah, when, when he's got OCD, yeah. hasn't he, in that character? Oh, yeah, yeah just OCD. That he, did he have Parkinson's at the time? Yeah. Well, he had Parkinson's at the time, yes, but he, his character, I didn't think, had Parkinson's. His character in um, Curb Your Enthusiasm had pa Parkinson's because he lived next door to Larry David and he played oh, wow. himself with Parkinson's. And there's an episode in which um, he gets a can of coke out the fridge for Larry and gives it to Larry. Larry opens it up and it goes all over him. And Larry's like, what the hell, man? And Michael J. Fox is like, 
Parkinson's. Oh, God. <laughs> Quite yeah. a dark joke, but you know what? Since he was doing it, he got away with it. it. No, but back, I'm not really talking about Back to the Future too much here. It's just a fantastic time travel film. They think about all the elements of it. There's like, It's just really, really clever. Like Even little bits that you don't really see um, to where it's like a, f- a free pine mall in the present day because there's free pine trees. And then he goes back in time and accidentally knocks over two of these pine trees when they're still growing. And then in the present day, it's now called the Lone Tree Mall because he's knocked down one of the trees. Like really, really subtle things like that that play across the whole three films. And it's just clever. Do you know what as well? Like I think the fact that it was a time travel film that thought about time travel so much. Like, you know, what would you do if you go back? Like, uh, what's the name of the character he goes back and, you know, has the betting book so he can earn money in the future or his family can? Oh, uh, Biff. Biff, Biff Tannen. You, you know, you've got the idea of what happens if you don't, you know, you mum and dad don't get together if you accidentally interfere in, in you know, your own birth. Yeah. I, I think, and then now, because of everything that was done, I think of things like Hot Tub Time Machine, which is another great film. <laughs> um, that, you know, which coincidentally stars um, George McFly, the actor who plays the dad is in Hot Tub Time Machine as the guy who loses his arm. And you're oh. waiting the whole film to find out how he loses his arm. How do we, how does he lose it again? I can't remember. Is it a chainsaw? <laughs> yeah, I've seen to remember there's that running gag, isn't there, where loads of things happen. You're like, this is it. Uh, oh, it might probably isn't a chainsaw, because uh, it probably, it's been a long time since I've seen that film, but it was probably something really insignificant. Yeah. But yeah, like, even like every time travel film now will reference, won't it, um, in some way, shape, or form. Um, Back to the Future, which is great. Oh, yeah. I feel like. Obviously, we've got to include the time machine by um, H.G. Wells, but it's like the almost yeah. original um, movie version of all this. It sort of started off a big time um, travel sort of um, genre that occurred. Interestingly, as well, because the first one's the past, isn't it? Yeah. Is the second one technically the present as well because of the betting? Yeah, so they go into the future and then older Biff steals the almanac and goes back in time and gives it to his younger self in the um and is it in the present time yeah so he gives it to his younger self back in the future and then uh doc and marty when they stop his son from being arrested um they go back to the present day and realize that biff's now this sort of like trumpian like figure (laughs) foreshadowing yeah what it would be like it really did seem to foreshadow um, yeah, great pick, and I think it's the only one really, maybe Hercules as well, that's like truly like cult classic popular. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Right, your number one pick next, please, Mike. I'm pretty sure you've never watched this, and I'd imagine most people listening to this. Uh, shout out Jonathan, our yeah, we haven't spoken fan. much about Jonathan right now, have we? No, well, I just... I felt really bad. And and someone said they're going to officially change their name uh, to become Jonathan, so he can be our number one fan. And is is that your cousin? It was my cousin, yeah. Shout out to your cousin. Yeah, thanks for Love listening. You. <laughs> What's his name? Alexander. No, no, no. What's oh, his name? Jonathan. Now it is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I imagine even Jonathan isn't going to have seen this before, and that is the film Serenity. I've heard of the film, at least. Good. Good start. 
Um, I know it's based on Firefly. That's right, yeah. So one of my favourite TV shows of all time is Firefly, and it was cancelled because of horrendous um, decisions about Fox, which I'll get into in a moment. Yeah, they put them in like really wrong places. Didn't yeah, they? they decided to air the third episode first because they thought it was more interesting. When the first two episodes were the pilot, essentially set up the characters and the story. Uh, then they changed the time slot and never told anyone, so people had to sort of stumble to find it. And then cancelled after, I think, 13 episodes. Um, and it became wildly popular and so popular, in fact, they were able to make a film to sort of wrap up the story, which was amazing. Um, and with all that pressure on this cult classic TV show where the fans were so passionate, they sort of forced, you know, Joss Whedon to carry on and get the funding. And um, you'd think there's almost too much expectation to make the film work, but it was amazing. And another genre i'm a massive fan of is the sort of fugitive sort of cliche genre where they're on the run ironically the fugitive isn't on here and um <laughs> you know that's part of the story there that it's these group of morally gray good guys who used to be the bad guys almost um yeah it's called a western in space and essentially it's this group of uh, misfits who all end up living and working together on a spaceship and they end up doing sort of odd jobs around the galaxy a bit of a human guard into the galaxy in a way in this film we sort of get to finally find out how their stories end and find out some uh, more information on the the bad guys from the tv show and i think the only way it, it, it's not got the best action it's not got the best acting it's not got the best special effects which is unusual for sci-fi. Um, but the writing, first of all, is so good by Joss Whedon that the banter... Oh, he's a fantastic writer anyway. That's he? his strength, isn't it? But his dialogue yeah. more, even more than his storylines, per se. The characters... Yeah. He's no he's no George Lucas. <laughs> well, <laughs> the prequels didn't go well, did they? Um, <laughs> Not exactly. But I think what it is, is, they're just lovable characters. I know that if... Listen to this, if you've never watched it, I know I'm not selling it to you at all. But the only thing I can say is all the characters are amazing and well-rounded. They're funny, they're lovable. There's the sort of typical uh, henchman sort of mercenary type character who doesn't seem to care. There's the wisecracking captain. There's the goofball mechanic. There's the very serious doctor. But they feel like real people and they feel like a family. And whilst you're watching it, you, you want to be with them. You want to just follow them on their adventures. I could watch them just doing a shopping list together. And I think I'd enjoy <laughs> it because I just love the characters so much. No, it's a good shout. And I will say I've started to watch Firefly, but I haven't fully got mm. into it yet. And that's no discredit to Firefly in the slightest. I've just, sometimes if it's so critically acclaimed, I don't always go for it. And Firefly has got this massive cult following behind it. Yeah. But I know I've had, I remember uh, um, in secondary school when Serenity came out, because it was like 2005, was it? Uh, yeah, 2006, 2005. I'll double check that. Yeah. I think you're right. But um, I remember some of my friends going to see it and they absolutely loved it. So I know it is a fantastic film, but I wouldn't ever watch it without having watching Firefly. And would you recommend that as well? 2005. Um, yeah. I know. I've got this film knowledge for some reason in my head about years. <laughs> I watched the film first. 
I did you, and did it not take anything away from the TV series? No, it just made me want to like, like I said, I, I think it, I think you could watch almost any episode, and you'd potentially like it. Like I say, it's not necessarily a storyline; it's the it's the, the the cast of characters, this sort of misfit family that have, you know, because of fate, accident, you know, and all those types of things, have come together, and you know, they'd as much as they hate each other, they they would die for each other, and I think. I think everyone can relate to that, can't they? Everyone yeah. wants that sort of that band, that family of friends that you know you would, you know, you do everything together and you'd do anything for. So I don't, I don't know. But then again, you know, like I say, it's, it's I, I, the only thing I would say is the pilot. I think is like two hours long. Yeah, I think that's why I've I've always sat down to watch it, and it's quite heavy going. A lot of it yeah, sometimes it is because there's, it's not, they're, it's they're not great. Yeah, they're introducing you to a lot of characters as well, aren't they? Yeah, and the world as well. Yeah. That's the problem, isn't it, with with sci-fi and fantasy though? Is that you know, there's a lot of sort of info dumping at the start because yeah. there's a lot that you need to know about the world to to understand it. To do well in a big sci-fi or fantasy franchise, you've either got to do books, which obviously you can put a lot more knowledge about the lore and background in, or go for many, many series. Because when you think about the top ones like Star Trek, for example, that's been going for God knows how long. It's got so much lore behind it. But it's because there's been so many series of the shows. Uh, I could just. I'm glad you mentioned. Like Star Wars and Star Trek and things as well. I'm not the biggest. I don't like Star Trek particularly. I thought the the you know the new films were okay. Um, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. So if Serenity being a sci-fi film puts you off, like I say, it really is a very human story. Having watched parts of the pilot, it doesn't seem so much. It seems like, because, like you said, you described it as a Western type film. Yeah. It does just feel like a Western space. Yeah. It's it's a weird genre to try and explain, but yeah, I get what you're saying with that. Yeah, like even the spaceship looks a bit like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> right, fantastic choice. So those are our top five. Okay, Mike, episode two done. Yep. Episode three. What will be our next top five topic? Well, I was thinking about this, and I think we should stick with a theme that we've currently been keeping and go for top five TV shows. I genuinely think there's a period between well a three-year period at university where i pretty much watched every american tv show at least one episode or one season of at that time <laughs> so this is going to take me a while <laughs> i think there's a future topic here coming along where i could easily do a similar thing for top tv shows that were cancelled far too early well fireflies number one there surely <laughs> <laughs> i've got a lot of quite obscure american tv shows that i I started watching throughout uni. Like you say, you just have a lot of spare time, even though you definitely shouldn't. Um, and I remember just watching these shows and then they got cancelled. It's like, oh, I was just getting Here's into that. Here's one for you. Did you ever watch a superhero TV show called The Cape that got cancelled? No, but that's reference. Is it on Community reference a lot? Yeah. yeah I've never <laughs> actually watched that one myself. It was dreadful, but the premise was great. <laughs> right, so top five TV shows. Tune in next week for that. And as always, if you can, we're on Twitter now, Mamom Pad Podcast. I'll start again. If you can, please give us a follow on our socials. We genuinely do want to get some fan interaction. The hope is that we can start to do top five based on what you guys uh, want to hear. Yeah, we've already had a few people email and message us with their top five uh games from last week which was absolutely brilliant and we really enjoyed li uh, reading your and, list and uh, Mike's boss I'm calling me boss, superior he's better than you in every way <laughs> Yeah, see, see, senior member of staff Yeah, the person that's better than Mike 
Um, <laughs> top five list was unbelievable. We're going to do a bonus episode where we talk through people's top fives, and I feel like we're game soulmates uh, based on yours. There you go. So yeah, we, like we said, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. We've also got an email. I don't know if we mentioned that. I don't think we did. <laughs> um, it's mamonpodcast at hotmail.com. So any suggestions for top five, feel free to email us on there. Any of your top fives, email us on there. And at some point, like Mike said, we do plan on going through your top fives as different episodes. Thank you for listening. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. Hopefully the sound quality was a bit better with the new mics and we hope we're going to get better as we go and as we grow. So I'll see you all next week. Professional is our middle name. <laughs> I Literally, the, the Mike and Mike professional podcast. I, I think even if we get like particularly big i still think will be this amateur oh yeah definitely it's it's our charm yeah <laughs> that that will be what we're known for our our, char- our charm is that oh do you, do you, did you listen to that podcast the other day oh yeah the one that was shit <laughs> <laughs> the, the one where one of them kept rustling paper halfway through a choice absolutely loved it <laughs> i'm gonna tie my hands to the chair next time i promise <laughs> yeah I, I had a go at him for that just so we were all aware <laughs> Maybe you can cut this part into uh, afterwards as, as an apology after that if they can sit through three <laughs> minutes of me talking about Perks being a wallflower going. <laughs> right. Did we say bye? Should we sign off? Yeah. So should we, do we have a do we have a sign off yet? Do we have a song? This is the Mike and Mike podcast. My mum. No. I didn't like it either, really. We can work on it. You can. Can't you yeah. play the keyboard? Have you bought yourself a keyboard now? No, I was going to, but I decided against it. Coward. I brought myself a, I brought myself a mic instead. <laughs> Probably a better use of our money. <laughs> yeah, I got. I've got a trumpet and a guitar and all sorts of weird instruments that I can't play behind me. Well, that's uh, that's your challenge for next week. I'll write the theme tune. Sing the theme tune. <laughs> write the theme tune. Sing the theme tune. Classic reference there. <laughs> right. Goodbye, everyone. We'll see you next week, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yeah. See you then. (laughs) Bye. Bye.